Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Club. Part of Full Press Coverage. My name is Kyle Senra. Joining me is my co-host, Brad Hardy. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Kyle. Thanks a lot. Uh, just uh, had a little, little haircut. Get ready for the for the weekend. Little little shave on my COVID beard. So I'm uh, feeling lighter, feeling free, ready to roll. I think it's a it's a good time of year. I know you're a baseball fan, so it seems like a, you know baseball season's underway. Yeah, I've uh, I've definitely been uh, glued to the TV as much as I can with uh, six kids running around. So uh, definitely trying to take a peek every every now and again. Anytime you can foster a look over at the TV, you'll you'll do that. Absolutely. <laughs> for this week's episode we're joined by a guest great guest here uh james vecchio from uh, contract dynasty fantasy football and we'll get into what that is but uh, before that james welcome to the podcast thanks for having me kyle uh, i'm glad to be here and uh, i'm glad to to talk quite a bit to talk about and again i mentioned a bunch of words there and people are wondering what, what is that and uh you know for anyone who's listened to this podcast long enough you'll know that i enjoy the salary cap and contract formats of fantasy football. I've uh, gone to different formats about that in different episodes in different seasons. So definitely uh, suggest everyone go back and, and look at that. I know it's it's a bit of a far ways back for some of that, but yes, I uh, I'm always looking for new versions of uh, of fantasy football that include salary caps, contracts, and I guess in this case, this this format almost found me so uh first off uh, appreciate james for thinking of me when uh you, you were you know constructing the the roster for the the league setup for this for these 12 people so uh appreciate that very much to start with 
Yeah, uh, you know, I was definitely looking to to find owners who I knew a little bit about and, you know, who are smart uh, at fantasy football and aren't just uh, an average Joe. And your name was, was definitely kind of door, towards the top of my list, uh, and I'm glad you, you wanted to partake. So, Brad, have you ever played in any salary cap contract leagues? I uh, actually, Kyle and James, I, I really have not. I'm definitely intrigued by this. Uh, when you guys uh, sent over the league rules and the breakdown and how the contracts work and everything. I mean, honestly, I'm, 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 my mind was a little bit blown away. So I'm definitely interested, uh, hopefully to hear from, uh, from James to kind of, kind of, you know, see how everything, how everything works. I mean, it's, it's definitely something interesting. Uh, definitely really kind of parallels what, you know, w- what football actually is. I mean, you're, you're the general manager, you're, dealing with the contracts, you're, you're breaking it between years and everything. So it's definitely something interesting, but I don't want to steal his thunder. So uh, we'll uh, let him go ahead and get started, but I'll, I'll be over here taking notes again. So, yeah. So James, let's get to that. Uh, why don't you explain the the setup of the league, the settings, the, the, you know, the roster formats and, and really everything that is one of these leagues that is part of contract dynasty fantasy football. Sure. Uh, you know, there's, uh, it's hard to know where to start, but uh, I, I'd say that the, the concept behind Contract Dynasty is uh, rooted in the idea that while Dynasty Fantasy Football is great, uh, you can always take something a step further, uh, and Contract Dynasty does that. Uh, you create your own ecosystem, uh, and there's no longer just a simple uh, valuation of a player. You know, say you think Joe Mixon is better than David Montgomery. Well, in your dynasty league, you go and acquire uh, Joe Mixon and you trade David Montgomery. You think he's better, and that's that. There's no real difference other than a difference of opinion. Uh, Whereas in contract dynasty, you've got contracts tied to players. You have a salary cap. You're much more playing the the GM role beyond just rostering a player on your roster. You have to also understand the the financial impacts uh, of a player, whether a player is worth a certain amount of money. You might let a star got running back go because they're going to make too much money and they're going to hurt your dead cap in the future. It's much more a combination of almost a simulation, in a sense, mixed with fantasy football. And the combination of those two were, were always right up my alley. And I just love this format. I think it's really the peak of what you can do with fantasy football. And I think you're doing a disservice to yourself if you're not uh, attempting to, to grow and get into a league such as this. You said a nice word there, league ecosystem. I always said like each league has, you know, contract-wise anyway, has its own economy. Really, any any dynasty league has its own league economy. People value players differently, but there's that you could tangibly see that in contract leagues when you know those dollar amounts are assigned to a player, and and really, even if you know it's two leagues having the exact same format, twelve different managers might have totally different valuations, and and no two leagues contract salary-wise are ever really the same. Yeah, that's uh, entirely true. Uh, this league is, was created off of uh, another league that I'm in. It's it's my home league. It's uh, my baby. It's the, the league that's been around for over a decade. Uh, and the ecosystem in that league, while the, the rules and the settings are slightly different in this league, which I, I did to optimize it, in my opinion, the, the home league contracts are all over the place. Uh, and if you compared the leagues league to league, you would think that everyone in my home league is absolutely nutso. And you wouldn't understand the, the setup, but that's why ecosystems matter. 
That's also, you know, why in a regular dynasty, if uh, someone trades someone and you go, why did you settle for that offer? The, the response is often, oh, you don't know the managers in my league. This is the going rate for a quarterback or running back or whatever it may be. And that could be a completely truthful statement and it could be completely accurate and they sold at the correct price. But that's because each ecosystem is different. It's kind of, uh, to use an analogy, it's kind of like poker. Uh, there's an optimal way to play poker. But if you're playing with the same eight guys every night, uh, you're going to play a much different brand of poker because you're going to optimize your strategy to those guys because that's who you're playing against. And, and fantasy football is no different. And that's why I love contract leagues because they can go in such crazy directions that no one would really see it coming uh, if you're in one that's the exact same league, just with different managers. With these, uh, with, well, with, yeah, with the contract dynasty in particular for, for myself, the big jump for me wasn't the, the contract. I, I mean, I jump all, all over that, and really it's part of the big reason I joined. Uh, I mean, of course, being asked to in particular is also a great honor, and I really do appreciate that, James. Uh, but also the idea of it being IDP. And on our previous episode last week, we did speak to Gladys Louise Tyler about IDP formats in general. And so, uh, but to me, this was really my big dive into Dynasty IDP. I'd never done it before. And while, you know, certain knowledge of defensive players, it did take, that was a, a bit of a extra research on, on my part there to kind of figure out how I was going to approach the defensive side. Knowing, I think I had a plan in mind once I read through how I'd go offensively, but really the defense was uh, was interesting. And uh, I know based based on just last week's uh, podcast episode, I think I might have done things differently. So it's interesting uh, dynamic there for sure. Yeah, it's definitely something that I, I wanted to incorporate with this league. Uh, you know, I asked uh, multiple people, uh, had many declines because people were obviously, uh, you know, focused on their own leagues and don't want to stretch themselves too thin. But a lot of people were like, oh, are you going to do one without IDP? And and for me, you know, as the commissioner, it's kind of a hard no. Uh, I want to include everything in this league because it's supposed to be deep and it's supposed to be challenging. You know, people in this league have done IDP formats before, but no one is uh, considered to be a, a pure IDP expert, an IDP-only person, per se. And, you know, I want to expand boundaries. I want owners to come into this league going, all right, it's another league. It's a little bit of a different concept. Okay. But then after the draft or after the first season, walk away going, this is crazy, and I also love it. And I think IDP is a, a huge part of that. You want to have these players you know, get high points. The, the point system is is set up directly so that IDPs truly matter. Uh, I know often in a lot of leagues it's basically tackle-based, and you're starting your IDPs based on who just gets the most tackles, and there's not a real big amount of strategy to it. It's just who gets that volume. And I definitely set up uh, this league to to care a lot more, and, and more specifically for there to be just as many strategies as possible. Uh, I want it to be beyond just, well, you get the best quarterback because it's a super flex. You get young skill positions, and then you hope to win the lottery. I, I want it to go beyond that. And I've seen in my own home league, there are varying different strategies, and they all can win. And that's what I love, when it's not just one tried-and-true factual way of going about things you you have the ability to to do things in many different ways i find it interesting that we have the idp but also still going with the old school throwback of having team defense as well as kicker so i think that's that's also an interesting dynamic of having the the defensive players but also almost double represented on team defenses as well exactly Uh, i know a lot of people uh, when it comes to idp they're like throw team defense out 
And, and I frankly love it because you have a rooting interest in the entire defense. You can stack your players, uh, as you mentioned. You know, you could get Washington's defense and Chase Young and, and really just double up on all those sacks he gets. But at the same time, you can also play matchups and you can stream. And you there are just so many options. And, and with team defense especially, there's a lot of ways owners deal with team defense. The streaming's a, a very typical way. Uh, but you can also just have more strategy and that's really what I'm going for, is for there to be lots of different opinions on how to do things. And, and team defense really gives you that, in my opinion, uh, along with kickers. Well, and I mean, DST is defense and special teams, right? So that's also a way to get the special teams involved that you wouldn't any other way. Exactly. You could add return yardage, but uh, in general, when you just have special teams and you just have those special team points, especially when you get true special team plays like blocked punts and things of that nature... Uh, you're caring more about every single play versus just offensive plays, and that's why you also want to have IDPs in there. You want every play in the game to matter. Uh, I remember in the very first uh, season of this league, uh, I won a game when I was down .3 points with six seconds left. Detroit had just scored, and on the ensuing kickoff, Jason Hansen picked up one of his like five ever career tackles, and it won me the, league, the, the matchup by .2. And that's what I just absolutely love about this league is that matters. And it, it, it's just the, the depth and the, the amount involved is just what I love. You know, the questions with contract leagues, there's the, the framework. How is this all set up? And I think that one of the interesting ways is you know, how, how do you incorporate you know, fantasy drafts every year? It's you know, when it's redraft, it's literally the draft is done every year you know other conventional dynasty leagues how do you bring new players in well it's the rookies every year and there are rookie contracts set up now i, I you know for us in in our first year of this league you know in the league i'm playing and uh all the rookies were set into the the main auction so there's no rookie contracts through year one but this will be something that people have access to in in 2022 picks and 2023 picks and you know it could be tradable assets in the in the startup auction as we, well, we might talk about in in a bit and so just to kind of start off the, you know where the rookie contracts are and uh, i'm just reading through uh right now they're all three-year contracts the top two players so picks one and two get uh, make six dollars per year over three years each Picks three and four make five dollars each. Five and six four dollars each. Picks seven through twelve, so one seven one twelve three dollars each. Second round picks two dollars. Third round pick and fourth round picks are one dollar each. So, uh, it you know just to know where those rookie contracts lie, and that will come into kind of value again. Usually starting year two of, of a league, but interesting kind of framework to start off of. And of course, when you get to the auction, that's when the contracts really get big. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the The concept behind the the league itself is to run your league like it's the the NFL, and, and in the NFL, there's a, a pretty simple ecosystem. Rookies come in; they're, they're on relatively cheap deals. Uh, they either prove themselves and earn much larger deals, uh, play at a mediocre talent level and learn earn a, a marginal contract, or play themselves more or less out of the league or at a league minimum deal. And the the concept of the league is to do the same thing. So you've got these rookies, they come in, they're on a three-year contract, and uh, at $6 down through $1, uh, it's very cheap uh, when you consider the entire cap of the week's $250. So you're paying 2% of your cap for a rookie, and, and if you pick up a star right away, you know, a, a Saquon Barkley or something along those natures, you, you've hit the lottery, so to speak, and you get your rewards for that. At the same time, 
that player is going to eventually hit free agency. And specifically in fantasy, they need to hit a free agency when someone's going to want to invest in them uh, at a long-term price point and be okay with it. So if uh, if Saquon Barkley was a a free agent uh, next year or or this year, you you can give him a five-year contract and not hate yourself for it. And that's kind of the goal is it's not definitely he's getting a five-year max deal, but he probably will. And that might be bad at the end, but it also might not. And that's that's the concept is you don't really know. You you don't want to pay him five years necessarily, but you could. And and that's the whole rookie structure. It's to to find the the shelf life of a player and to maximize that shelf life and have that mimic the shelf life of a true football player uh, as much as possible. And and that's why uh, these rookie scales exist. Uh, There's also team options on rookie contracts, which sounds straightforward and you just go, oh, well, if they're good, I pick up the option. If they're bad, I don't. Uh, But you have to pick up the the fourth-year option before the end of the first season, uh, and it's at, I think, three times the amount uh, of the initial contract. Uh, So, you know, you're going to pay $18 for a running back. If you have Saquon or CMC, it would have been very easy to pick up that contract, and it looks great. But if you have Josh Jacobs, you're like, ah, $15 per year, that's fine. Uh, And then also, if you have a guy who ends up busting out, it, it doesn't work out well at all. So it's not as simple but it also makes uh, finding value later in the drafts more rewarding. And I think the one thing about the contracts is also once, not so much the rookie contracts, but uh, free agent contracts. And I think we'll get into that auction process because every league, every format has kind of a, a different way of approaching of how the auction and how players are signed exactly will, will take place and what that exactly looks like. But, uh, you know, the contracts that are signed in free agency are partially guaranteed. Nothing's fully guaranteed again. Again, like the NFL, trying to make that mimicking of, of the process in the NFL. Um, so why don't you talk a bit about the just the way the guarantees work for the contract, James, before we get into the actual auction itself. So the guarantees, it seems complicated when you explain it. Uh, once you start dealing with it in, in the league itself, it's relatively simple. Uh, a contract is guaranteed uh, in the first year for 50% of the value. So if your player earns $10, uh, then $5 are guaranteed. So if you decide to cut that player the first year, you always will pay them $5, even if they're off your roster. When they're on your roster, you're paying them the full $10. Uh, likewise, the second year, it's the same thing, 50%. Uh, the third, fourth, and fifth year, it's 25%. So uh, there is an advantage to, to cutting a player early if you've decided, oh, they have not met their, their shelf life. I did not need to sign them for five years, and I need to cut them right away. Uh, but at the same time, you don't save that much. And, and backloading uh, contracts or front-loading contracts, which is allowed in this league, can be done, but you only can guarantee so much money each year. You, you can't say, oh, I want to guarantee the entire first year of this contract. You, you're not allowed to do that. The, the structure itself is the structure, and you have to work within that structure. And, and that's what makes it a little more unique, is you have the ability to to change what you're offering and backload a contract if you feel you can, but it's not necessarily something that's going to net you a player for certain. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, before we get into the auction itself, because this is quite quite a process, and it's quite amazing, actually. Brad, did you have any questions or comments about contracts in general, how this league works, or again, with the $250 salary cap? No, not necessarily. Uh, I, I mean, when I woke up this morning, I didn't think I'd hear the word ecosystem uh, once, and I've heard it six times in the last uh, 15 minutes. And I mean, kudos to both of you guys for that. Um, no, this is uh, this is this is phenomenal how everything is just laid out like this. And um, I mean, it, it's it's it, you know it's to the T. And I mean, it it certainly parallels, in my opinion, uh, you know, being a real owner and everything. And I, I think it's I think it's great and um, definitely definitely interested in uh, in learning some more and. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have anything particular on the on the contracts. I, I, if if anything, uh, you answered it a little earlier be- uh, before the show. Uh, kind of kind of explaining how how the rookie thing went, and and then uh, James, of course, I just went over that as well. So, no, I don't have anything uh, necessarily right now. All right, so the auction is is a slow auction. Uh, I've, I've done some salary cap contracts that are live, so you, you know, ten second clocks. And it's it you know real really feels like a a true auction bidding, uh, like like you're in a room uh, actually auctioneering. But uh, you know, slow auction in this format. And you know, we're recording this episode on April third, and the the auction for this contract dynasty league is basically just about done. And we started the day after the Super Bowl, so it's been quite a process. But uh, James, why don't you uh, go through it in, in enough detail of what exactly the auction process looks like? To start, it's not your standard auction where the, the highest bidder just wins the player at said price. Uh, sounds confusing to someone when I say that, uh, but it's what is known as a victory auction, which is you bid a dollar amount uh, and the winning, con- the winning bidder gets the player but it's at the second price. Now, in a standard auction for just a, a redraft or a regular dynasty, you just bid up a dollar amount, you have whatever dollar amount is in that auction, and then you get it. So getting them at the second dollar amount would net you a dollar, maybe two dollars, and that's it. Uh, but this auction was a silent auction. So you don't know what your competitors are bidding uh, when you make your initial bid. So say Patrick Mahomes is your very first overall player, You know he's going to go for a lot of money, he's Patrick Mahomes, but you don't know how much, and you want to get him. So you're going to bid, in theory, the truest value uh, to what you believe he is. So let's say you valued him at $50 per year for five years, so a $250 total contract, $50 each year, which is one-fifth of your cap. You can bid that. Uh, And then if no one else bids uh, over 25 and you just massively outbid the field, well, you get him at 25, so that's great news for you. The, the problem would be is if someone else did the same thing and, and you didn't actually truly value him at $50 and there are two $50 bids, well, the, the tiebreaker goes to whoever gets it, and then that person uh, is out of luck and gets him at $50. So there's strategy. You want to pay attention to other people's dollar amounts, and you also truly actually are incentivized to bid the truest max value when you make your initial bid. That sounds uh, foreign to a lot of people. I think uh, many members of this league uh, initially did not take that advice to heart, and, and they wanted to do their initial bid, and then if the, the rebids came in and they were relatively close, they would say, okay, I'll bid again, uh, and I'll get the, the guy I want. 
uh, at a price that's a little bit above my initial bid, but still within my range. Uh, and you quickly learn that that's not the, the most effective way in a victory auction. Uh, also, I am talking about uh, a second bid process. So there is the initial bids. So up to all 12 owners can place an initial bid on a player. After the initial bids are submitted, the highest overall bid is revealed. So in my initial example, I said Patrick Mahomes at $250 over five years at $50 per year. That would be revealed. And then the top six of the 12 bidders, or if there's less than six total bidders, are eligible to rebid. And there's one rebid phase, and then whoever has the highest overall bid wins. So in that scenario where Patrick Mahomes is uh, at that $250 for five years at 50 per year, uh, I could be uh, one of the six rebidders who has not had my bid publicly revealed. And if I outbid that contract, I know that at a minimum, I'm going to get Mahomes at that contract. So you have some knowledge of approximately where you're going to land, but also everyone could rebid, and then that's not the contract. It's even higher than that. But you know what your floor is, so it gives people an ability to budget slightly. But if no one wants to bid uh, above that 250 then that winning contract can be much lower. So there's an advantage to having your bid be the bidding leader, as you can win that player at a much lower contract value than anyone else. Uh, that was pretty long-winded. Uh, it might be confusing to someone uh, as they're going, but once the, this auction gets started, uh, Kyle, you can probably attest to this, after three or four rounds, you, you more or less understood how everything was happening, what was going on, and, and you were kind of stuck in the, the standard draft process. Yeah, it was definitely a, a massive adjustment. Just the idea of, of two-stage bidding and, and you know, not sure what you're exactly you're getting even even at the moment you win something you're not even really sure the value because it's as james mentioned it's not the highest bid that the player is valued at it's that that's the, whoever makes the highest bid is the person who wins it but the second highest value so again that that dynamic of of you never really know what you're going to get a player for when you do win them until you when, until you actually see uh everything come through is is a uh, it can be stressful, actually. I remember that, but especially those first couple of days, not really sure what players were going to go to, and, and placing amounts on bids was uh, very, uh, very stress-inducing. And then, yeah, after a couple of days, getting into the rhythm of it, it got a little easier and got a bit of a process going. But yeah, that first day, and it's funny, even even after that first day, I even forgot that dynamic that it wasn't the highest amount. So when I won my first player, which was Dalvin Cook, it wasn't a contract that I had signed, and I forgot. Oh yeah, it's not. It's not what I signed for him. It's the second highest. So I was I was a little confused at first. It's like, you know, I guess it's a little cheaper than what I, I said. I, I like that, but I feel like this is a mistake, right? Like, and then, oh, no, wait. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I was, uh, I think, uh, I, I would feel like I wasn't the only person making mistakes throughout and, and making uh, uh, forgetful uh, uh, moments here or there. Oh, no, you, you definitely weren't the, the only person to to forget uh, how the structure worked or to, to forget to place bids or, or anything like that. And that's also why when I put this league together, I definitely was going to have anyone from my home league hop in and, and be a ringer, so to speak. I wanted everyone to start on an equal playing field. I wanted everyone to, to have the same knowledge going in, which is just what I told them. And I wanted them to, to learn. And, and you got to, to learn specifically with Dalvin Cook that you valued him uh, a lot higher than the rest of the league. And that probably took you a, a bit by surprise, but you also have that information and the rest of the league doesn't. And, and controlling that information and making it so that everyone in the league doesn't know everything about everyone else 
matters in terms of making it more difficult. Uh, like you said, when you win a player, you don't know what contract it's at. And that's challenging because you're used to having pure and utter control of everything. When you're mimicking real life, well, you might offer a player a contract and he might counter and say, no, I only want to play two years here. I don't want to have a long contract. I don't care how you're structuring it with the cap. I don't want to have my money not show up in my account right away. And you have to adjust to that. And that's the concept behind this. Uh, the, the idea that you don't win the player at the, the first contract, you win it at the second contract, is rooted in the idea that that's like the player negotiating. Even though it's another manager and it's not really that, it, it's that sense of you're not in pure control. You don't say, here's what you get, and then they get it. You don't have that autonomy to make sure you control exactly what happens. And there's the other interesting dynamic of uh, the, the length of contracts and that control that the manager does have when making bids is is that is that they can choose how long they're making their bid for uh, between one and five years. And there are some limits on the startup auction over you know, certain players, certain contract lengths. We would get to those details a bit after. Uh, but that's also an interesting dynamic is not sure. Okay. I'm going to put this player on a four year contract, but someone else might go two years at a different amount. And I know at one point in the auction, I definitely got caught on a player that, you know, I, I had put a, a, a bid on them at five years, I think about $5 per year. I didn't want to spend too much on this player per, per year average. But someone put them uh, on a two-year contract at, at a, a much higher per annual rate. And just, you know, between the combination of other players going five years and that player only going two, I did win the player a lot higher average than what I had set out. So I think that's the, the interesting dynamic there of the different length of, of contracts obviously affects the different total amount. So I guess the question next here, James, is how do you say what the contract value is relative to others when you're saying, okay, this is the second best value? What do you use as your benchmark for saying what, what is the most valuable, what is the second most, what is the least valuable? Sure. So the, the most valuable, second, third, etc., it, it's all based on guaranteed money. Uh, if the player was a real person uh, who was actually making money off of this league, what would they want to do? They would want to maximize their dollars. Uh, and they'd understand that they might get cut. Uh, five years from now, they might not be uh, in the NFL, so they might not make any money off this league. So they want to get that guaranteed money. So the, the winning bid is always determined by the most guaranteed money in a contract. So if you decide to, to backload a contract and put all the money heavily in the fifth year uh, under the idea that you're just going to cut them and only pay 25% of that amount, well, the player is aware of that, and they're going to say, no, I don't want you to backload that. Uh, and that's kind of how the, the auction process works, is in you need to pay the most guaranteed money. So if you have a backloaded contract and it has more total dollars in it, but there's more guaranteed money in a shorter length contract, the player is going to pick that because that still wins them the most total money over time. And that's, again, it's just structured so that the players are, in theory, making informed and accurate decisions and are operating as close to being humans as possible uh, in terms of their decisions to join a roster. It, it sounds kind of crazy to talk about a fantasy player's decision on joining your roster, but also when you're trying to, to mimic the NFL, that's kind of what you need to do. So that's, that's how players are, are won in the auction. It's based on just total guaranteed money versus the, the total money overall. All right. So to recap, it's a, an auction process. Uh, the way it worked was a, uh players nominated every day six players per day and so you know you'd have all six of those players go on at the same time 
So the you know the the working is the first day goes up six players nominated, um, and then everyone can bid on those six players nominated. Second day comes another six players nominated, but at the same time those first nominations that first round goes through and James to all of us releases the highest amount and the six managers that are eligible to bid on each of those six players again you have to get among the top six bids. Uh, value-wise in order to access the second round of nomination on each player. And again, uh, contracts are valued uh, in terms of organized and prioritized based on guaranteed money. Uh, the guaranteed money, I think we went through that quickly, is uh, 50% in years one and two, 25% in years three and onward. And then, so on this on the third day, <laughs> it's funny, we are recording this around Easter. That, that is pretty hilarious, that trio. Um, but on, on the third day, uh, of the the auction process is when those those players who were nominated on the first day are finally won. So whoever is the highest vote after the second day of auction processing, that player is won. The players nominated on day two, that first round is done, and so then we, you know the next the set they get access to the second round. But you're also going through your third day of nominations of players going through. So this this kind of process changed through. So you basically have once. Once you get into day two, day three, you basically have three different things happening. Uh, the final round of nominations for a player, the f- the end of the first round, and then the new nominate- nominated player. So that's also a dynamic of okay, making sure you, you, you keep track of all three things happening at once within an auction, too. Yeah, it, it definitely, it's just a new format, but, but you probably experienced this. Uh, after a few rounds, uh, you know, we're six or seven rounds deep, so we're four cycles complete. Uh, you, you start to understand what's happening. You start to get, okay, these guys are about to expire. These guys are in the middle, and these are the guys I want to place my initial bids on. And and you work off of that. And, and what is good about it is while it may be complicated, uh, it's also the same system for everyone. So if you're struggling, you know, other owners are struggling and learning it at the same time at the same speed. So there, there's no advantage in, in someone being more knowledgeable than others uh, when this league starts up. Different contract formats have different ways of kind of ensuring enough activity year after year on the free agent auction just like on the market uh you know nfl players aren't signing 10-year contracts to stay with teams like you know they want to maximize the amount of times they can make the biggest money so uh there's also a bit uh, in this league anyway in particular there's a a kind of a fail safe as, as at least in this initial uh first year startup auction to kind of ensure that future years aren't so impacted in the free agency market so why don't you talk about that next james of what you had installed as kind of a rule in place for certain restrictions on players yeah so the the fail safe was just based off of draft year for a player uh when my initial week happened the the one this one is based on uh anyone could go up between one to five years uh and more often than not every player went for five years because people wanted to maximize uh, their player, get their player, and they'd worry about put the player's bad contract in year five when year five rolled around. So the auction was complete, and then in years one through four, there was very little free agent activity because that ecosystem, to, to go back to Brad's favorite word, uh, was very dead. Uh, nothing showed up, then after year five ended, all the players were free agents, and then it was just a cycle rewind. Uh, and I wanted to ensure that that didn't happen, so if you were drafted in 2018, you only could have a one-year contract. 2019, a two-year. 2020, a three-year. 2021, a four-year. So this year's current draft class. 
And then 2017 and older, you could go up to five years. And the idea is, is everyone from the 2018 class, the, the Saquon Barkleys, uh, you know, good players, they're going to be free agents right away. So you can go and get that guy if you structure your team as necessary in order to go and get him. And uh, I just wanted to make that as easy of a burden as possible. You know, players also have the ability to franchise that player or match that player via restricted free agency, which is just another layer in this league. But I, I wanted to make sure that, like most contract leads, it's not the initial auction matters so much, then finding a few hot guys who come up from nowhere on free agency, and then it's just waiting because the free agency period is just so dead. And I wanted to avoid that, and I wanted to structure it just like those contracts would have been structured had we had rookie drafts back in 2018 and 2019 and so forth. Because, Brad, I know when you were going through the auction results, because we did share that with you, uh, kind of the league settings, but also some of the teams and some of the contracts signed, you kind of remarked, one player in particular, Josh Allen on a one-year contract, but again, part of that 2018 class. Right, yeah, I was, I, yeah, I was uh, definitely perplexed by that, and uh, yeah, you definitely explained it. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's another just a great idea to have the the names in the pools. I, I mean, it certainly would would be repetitious if it was every five years, but this you know gives an opportunity you know to get somebody fresh. Uh, I mean, I, I've been in keeper leagues where where it can get a little little dragged out, and you know you can't go out and get somebody. But I mean, this you know this this certainly gives you an opportunity. I mean, maybe not right away, but maybe in a couple years. You know, if if it's somebody that you want to you know go after and get on your team, you know, he's going to be there. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is great. So, Brad, did you have any, uh, just looking at this, like any strategy thoughts just based on, on the quick looks of the league, any, any things you could you would think of right off the bat? Okay, this is what I, how I think I would lean, and this is maybe what I would avoid. Um, well, I would first uh, try and uh, stop my head from spinning, um, but then I would, yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I, I would... I, I definitely see where it, where it would take a little while to, you know, the first uh, couple rounds to kind of see how see how it works and everything. But yeah, strategy wise, I mean, uh, I, I think um, you, you want to go after you know one of those top tier quarterbacks, you know, one of the young guns that that you can ho- hopefully have for you know a couple years or just the one year like the Josh Allen uh, situation, and uh, really just kind of kind of go on from there i mean i i think the whole uh i guess you call it what the second bid auction i mean i i think that definitely um comes comes into play but yeah uh, as far as strategy it's, it's definitely try and try and focus on on the younger guys and then maybe you know get the more seasoned veterans i think maybe you know you can string them along uh, for for a longer period of time, if that's what you want to go, I mean, maybe not the five years for for a real season veteran, but I mean, I'm I'm certainly interested to hear hear you guys' uh, opinion on this as far as strategy, because like I said my head's spinning a little bit, so trying to trying to wrap my mind around it, it's uh it, it's definitely fascinating. And I think with such a, a complex roster, the, I mean, the first off, I mean, uh, thirty one uh, roster spots technically, but that also includes uh, you know. 
taxi red shirt as a uh, red shirt as as you call it james in this league uh which you know if you're using the the abbreviations rs someone could almost interpret it as reserve so red shirt actually does work pretty nicely for that uh ir spots as well so uh you know 31 roster slots in that regard 16 starters though which is pretty large i don't think i've ever been in a league with 16 starters but again that idp aspect of course that uh just quickly run down of the starting roster spots because honestly that's kind of where i almost geared my strategy towards looked at the scoring settings but i looked at what are we having to start every week and i kind of i started from there so uh super flex as mentioned so you've got one quarterback two running back spots two wide receiver a tight end spot a non-quarterback flex so running back wide receiver tight end and then the super flex spot uh, which, again, includes quarterback. The IDP section, there's two defensive linemen, two linebackers, two defensive backs, the team defense, as well as the kicker. And and Brad, I think your first thoughts of elite quarterback, that's exactly where I went first. Knowing it's an auction, I, said my, I told myself, basically, what's the top tier of quarterback? And I identified, I think, seven or eight quarterbacks. And basically, my eight most expensive players on my budget list are going to be quarterbacks. And, and so I, I guess actually the, the general strategy that I do with auctions uh, that I should say first to start off with is I have individual player budgets for all my auctions. I, I prepare it that way. I find I used to, when I first started doing auction drafts back in 2015 was my first year, I used to kind of, okay, budget per position. This is how much I want to spend at this position. This is how much on that position. And I found I couldn't really gauge individual player values that well. So I, whenever I go into any auction draft, I set myself up. Every player that I'm willing to spend more than the minimum on, I've got a, I've got a very particular price, the, the max that I'm willing to go at for every player, whatever that number is. And I've got algorithms to, and, and formulas I use to kind of calculate those numbers, uh, kind of tailored to every league depending on, Again, sizes, starting requirements, uh, starting spots. So that you know, that's all there. Once I figure that out, though, again, it's very individualized. And then when I try to, what I what I did from there is okay. I've got individual slots set up, but the way I'm going to organize the tiers of players is going to be by positions. And so again, I mentioned that top tier is going to be the top tier of quarterbacks. Those are the players I'm most willing to spend on. And then I. I you know, I was kind of, kind of trying to figure out, okay, am I willing to, to really pay up to get two quarterbacks to get those two elite guys in the super flex spot? Kind of figuring out how, how is this going to affect my budget and, and see. And it, and ultimately, I decided that wasn't the way to go. I'd want to pay up for one of those elite players and try and get other value quarterbacks to fill in my QB two, three, and four spots or, or you know, the super flex spot and however much I decided to go depth-wise bench for quarterbacks. Um, I did end up, end up with four at the end of the auction, so that's that's why I, I lean there. But ultimately, I just said, okay, the quarterback is the position I want to spend most up. But the fact that you can play three running backs and, and still thinking as much as the IDP scoring can be up there, the running backs and, and that consistency, especially for the elite guys, I, I don't think could be uh, overstated too much. So I thought quarterback... Running back one, running back two. That's those are the three players I'm going to spend the most on, and, and on, ultimately I succeeded at that in this draft. I, I identified players that I wanted to go after, knowing I was willing to spend up big at the running back position, thinking I can get good values elsewhere. Also, right off the bat, my thinking was without tight end premium scoring, there's only maybe four, five tight ends that you're are worthy of being in flex spots, and if you're going to have them. You probably want them in your tight end spot, not your flex spot. So my thinking was, 
really I don't see a point flexing a tight end. So that 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 those super flex and the flex spot, I'm not really considering tight end an option in those cases. Mostly want to stick to obviously quarterback in the super flex, running back, wide receiver in that flex spot. So the way I looked at it. I mean, with the super flex, you start two quarterbacks. You had to start two running back, two wide receiver minimum. And all the IDP spots are two start minimum. So in my mind, the obvious position for me to punt and to I don't want to spend anything more than the minimum as if possible was tight end. They get it in, in the way I'm going to set up my team. I'm only ever going to start one tight end every week. And with every other position needing at least two, to me, it was the, the position to least invest in. And so... You know, as much as okay, yeah, Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle probably went for decent enough values in the auction. To me, it was still too high. I was not willing to spend any money on that because I wanted to gear all my money towards elite quarterbacks, elite running backs, and um, you know, certain elite defensive backs as well. Uh, certain linebackers, I really wanted to kind of was willing to more to spend up on. So I punted tight end, and I even went further and just how deep wide receiver was. I also didn't spend up big on wide receiver, especially early in the auction was seeing the prices that those early wide receivers were going for all those elite players going for what I thought were some ridiculous values higher than some, than what I was willing to go for some running backs or even some quarterbacks. So I, I kind of hoped that as the auction would go on further, the prices would drop on players, which it did eventually. And I specifically hoped that from wide receiver, and I thought I was able to get some really great value-wide receivers late. But it, it took a lot of patience. Like, both of the guys that I have in my in my starting wide receiver spots, I didn't get them until maybe a month into the auction. And it was just kind of that hope of that patience. And it, it paid off there. So I think part of the key was identifying what positions to spend for and quote-unquote overspend on. And what positions to be really patient on and to get uh, cheap value. And in some cases, especially with tight end, minimum price value in order to, to properly fill the roster. So that's kind of how I approached it initially. That approach, uh, I like that you had that approach. I think pretty much everyone in this league had the same type of idea where they're like, I'm going to target X and I'm going to avoid Y and just pay it cheap. Uh, also, to, to go back to talking about ecosystems, the structure of the starting uh, roster of everything is, is very similar to a standard league. you got two running backs, you got two wide receivers, a quarterback, uh, a tight end, and then two flexes, one with a super flex. But also what I think is key is you only have six bench slots where you can have them on offensive players. So uh, like you had mentioned, you have four quarterbacks. Well, that only means you have four other offensive slots for running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Uh, so you're pretty tight uh, on what you're doing. Uh, and then also the, the second point I wanted to make is you're talking about punting tight end, and I don't think that that's a bad strategy at all, especially without the tight end premium. The tight end, uh, more often than not, might be your lowest scorer. But also when you look at how the, the IDP point structure is, the defensive linemen, the, the top linebacker, the top DB, they all score around the same, which leads to them being about equal. And when you compare them to maybe the sixth overall tight end, uh, you might be able to punt one of those. And, and the concept of what I was thinking, especially also if you have somebody who goes to zero RB, you can punt every position besides quarterback and really wide receiver, but you can wait on wide receivers like you did and just find value late because there's so much. And that's almost kind of how the NFL is. Wide receiver, not so much, but it's get your quarterback and then figure it out from there, and you have a lot of strategies to go. You can punt tight end, or you could just go for a big one and then punt linebacker and just get value there. There's 
many ways of constructing or constructing a roster to get to the end point, which I think is key. And that's why I'm always against leagues where you have like five wide receivers and four running backs. And essentially you have to go get those guys because there's never going to be anyone on the waiver wire worth a pinch of salt. Uh, in this league, you're still going to be able to go add guys. Uh, there's some very good wide receivers who still went undrafted in this league and, and they're still on the free agency wire. And it's just, it's, it's again that ecosystem and again being able to have many different strategies versus one clear and obvious strategy. And the fact you had a strategy, and I agree with it, is good. But a lot of other people didn't come and, and think that that strategy was a good one and didn't execute it at all. And that's, that's really what the overall goal of the league is, is to have varying ability to, to do what you want to do. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So Brad, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts just on, on what I was talking about, the way I approached uh, the draft and the, and the strategy thinking there. I think uh, the way you went, I, I, I can certainly see, um, like, like James said, that, that it could be the mindset of, of, of many in, in the league, uh, but definitely, uh, you know, focusing on, on the quarterback and uh, I, 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 with it not being a tight end premium, uh, certainly, um, you know, definitely puts that one up for uh, to be punted away and, uh, I, I think uh, James made a great point about uh, with the uh, defensive lineman as well. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, scoring about the same as maybe a tight end. So that could be something you could, uh, you know, kind of hold off on as well. But uh, but no, I I, I like that strategy uh, definitely. I mean, I, I haven't ever uh, really been in an auction league for fantasy football. Now, uh, baseball, which we uh, kind of mentioned uh, before, is uh, is a little bit of my passion. I've definitely done that a few times. So that, of course, has this, uh, you know, I, I would think a similar mindset as far as like, you know, really focusing on, on what you want to do. But uh, I, I think as far as this goes, I mean, I, I think uh, what what you did uh, seems pretty positive and, uh, and, and, and good things can come about from it. Uh, just real, real quick before we, uh, you know, uh, move on, because uh, you said I uh, want to know if I had any questions on the contracts or anything like that. So you were mentioning that you had to wait, I guess, almost a month uh, before you got some of your uh, wide receivers. And, and I know that uh, he mentioned that there was, uh, I guess, six names every single day that people would would bid on. How, how were those six names generated? Was it just like from the top of the list or is it like, you know, top quarterback running back I mean like by position or is it just just a list that kind of goes out there that everybody uh uh you know obviously has to pay attention to and uh and bid on what what they're going after it's funny it's such a great question because I thought we gave such detailed explanation to the leagues we totally forgot that aspect to it uh James I'll let you uh explain it briefly yeah so the the player nomination goes uh, kind of like in a standard draft you've got 12 members of the league uh they all have a slot and so whoever's the first slot is the first slot every 12 picks. So they have number one, number 13, number 25, et cetera, et cetera. And they can pick and nominate whoever they want to nominate. Also, unlike in, in most auctions, 
you don't have to nominate with a starting bid. So there were multiple players who were nominated, received no bids, and were not put on a roster. Uh, again, there's a little bit of strategy with that. You can choose to nominate guys you don't like early because sure. you think they'll go for a lot and whatnot. But that's that's really how it's done. Gotcha. All right. That, that makes sense. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah, I definitely implied the strategy of nominate the players I wanted off the board right away. So I, I mentioned punt tight end. My first player I nominated was Travis Kelsey, thinking, you know, the hype of, of just the season he had. I figured he would go for uh, quite you know quite a large sum of the money. And I think it ended up being, I saw it earlier, there's $90 over three years. Again, uh, $250 salary cap per season. Travis Kelsey ended up going at uh, $30 per year. So just over 10% of the budget. You know, all things considered, actually not too bad of a value, but knowing that I wanted those players out of the way. So, I mean, I, I nominated George Kittle early on as well, or certain defensive linemen I wasn't interested in. Um, and so I definitely played it of, I want to nominate the players I don't want. And then as the, you know, I actually ended up spending a lot of money early. So I needed to, I, you know, I got in early aggressively and kind of had to wait for everyone else to catch up in terms of their spending. And then I felt, so I just kept nominating players that I wanted other people to bid up. And then once I got to kind of, oh, and suddenly I'm in the top five of cap space, the league, I started nominating the players that I wanted to win. And so I figuring that was my optimal time to, to get where I had the kind of the most resources to, to get into bidding wars for the players that I really wanted. So I was also cognizant of my cap space relative to the rest of the league and, and everywhere else. And kind of that sort of impacted how I nominated players. Gotcha. All right. The other thing too, that I I thought was crazy, James, about, about this, everything about this is crazy, but that literally everything can be traded. So yes, you could trade player contracts. You can trade future rookie picks, as we were mentioning that, you know, the rookie draft slots, but one thing you could also, you can trade cap space, which I love. I love that, the, you know, rather than, oh, trade player contracts away to free up cap space, you can actually trade for the physical aspect of cap space. Um, and the other thing that I really like is you could actually trade the nomination orders. So this came into effect, I think, at the end of the draft. It's interesting. Just this last week, there was a, a one day where there were three different trades that happened, and they were all essentially the same trade because of where teams were at in the auction and who had the money left and who still needed to fill their roster totally made these kind of no-brainer decisions on all sides. It was really funny how it worked. It, you know, I know I, I spent a bit of time having to, to sift through and look for the right partners, but basically what happened on, uh, I think it was basic, uh, would have been the last week of the draft, um, someone who I guess had a lot of roster spaces left and I guess wanted more control and enough cap space to kind of also control the board. They put out uh, an offer to basically everyone who, who in the league, I assume, at least I was talking to the people and I, I know I got this message and I was not the only one. Um, he was offering his 2022 rookie fourth round pick for anyone's remaining nomination, which would have been four players left at that point uh, for, for any individual player to nominate any individual manager to nominate. And so, uh, you know, he got that deal because those of us who, and I think I know for myself at the end of this, I think I had almost everything filled out roster wise, except for one bench spot or, or I know I got my starting defensive lineman, uh, one of the two starting defensive linemen I have, I got what my second starter pretty late in the auction. So I might've had that guy left too, but 
for myself, I was kind of going into it. Oh, I, I, I have a list of defensive linemen I can get. I'm willing to have as my starter. So even if they don't come up with a nomination, I'll go through waivers. So I didn't really care of which players were nominated at that point. So I thought no brainer. I, I went and messaged him back and someone else had already accepted, of course, because again, for those of us thinking that it was no brainer, but for, for himself, uh, he, Dynasty Island, uh, Rich, I believe his name is, uh, he wanted just he had he needed those those uh roster spaces like he he had a bunch of spots on his bench or even in his starting lineup that were free so the more nominations the more players that he wanted that would that he could nominate he could control and he could potentially win in the auction still before getting to massive waivers which is i know a couple days away i've still got uh, a bench spot of mine that i want to fill there so i'm definitely uh, getting getting to that antsy for that process uh but just so that trade dynamic was interesting the fact that someone was able to trade away their nomination picks in the auction for for draft picks so there ended up being three different trades made that day of people oh well I, I want that too. I want more control because suddenly everyone else who who saw Dynasty Island suddenly double up the amount of nominations he had left. Everyone else who also still had players left and was willing to nominate, they wanted more control on the board. So they those deals were sought out. I, I remember I was thinking the opposite. Well, if if people are going this crazy for nominations and I can get free rookie picks out of it, I'm I'm so I went to almost everyone I thought that that had players left and might want the nominations, and I eventually found someone uh, willing to take on. Uh, the remaining my, of my nominations, and I got an extra 2023 20, fourth out of it. So it's funny that at the time, the people who really wanted those players, for them, it was a no-brainer. They didn't mind giving up a future fourth. It would be the easiest thing in the world. And for those of us who had our rosters filled, it was the easiest thing in the world to give away those nominations and get the free fourth. So also funny how like contract dynamics can make just natural trade partners sometime if you're willing to you know go to ask people. Because I remember I ended up asking about five, six different people for trades that day and eventually got it done. And the work was there, but it, it's definitely a interesting dynamic for that regard. Yeah, it definitely is. And also, I think probably your average listener to this podcast is going, why would you trade a pick for nominations? It's a draft pick. It's That's a that's a crazy bad trade for the person who got the nominations. And I think the, the other key thing to remember is, is there's limited roster space. Like you mentioned, there's 16 starters, but there's only 25 active roster slots. You have three red shirts, so you can throw rookies on there. But once you take that red shirt off, it's off and they can't go back down there. And a fourth-round pick, while it sounds nice when you uh, factor in the fact that there's compensation for free agents leaving, uh, that might not be that high of a pick, and it might not be that valuable. So it's it's a lot more than meets the eye, and that's what I love about the league, is you have your inclinations thinking, oh, well, a draft pick's worth more than just nominating someone, and that's not necessarily true, and you have to think, and you have to to dive in and, and challenge what your initial thought process is. And, and that's another reason I love it. And, and like you mentioned, you have one roster spot left and you want to fill that roster spot. And, and I just want to mention for a moment, uh, the guy who won my league in 2017, he had one defensive lineman rostered the entire season. He streamed defensive linemen all season. He streamed his defensive backs all season. And he did have two uh, elite linebackers, one of them being Luke Keekley. But he essentially said, every week I'm just going to add someone to a weekly contract. I will never roster someone. And I'm just going to go and attack the, the worst offensive lines, essentially. So uh, if he was playing last year, all he did was attack the Eagles' offensive line. Whoever was uh, the second pass rusher, he went and added them. They were a free agent. And he won the league. And I, I love the fact that that's a viable strategy. And it's not just 
you fill your roster spot because you have a roster spot. You might not want to do that because you can run out of money. And it's, it's again, just challenging the initial thought process of what you do and what is standard in the fantasy league. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, yeah, you're right. And I could leave that bench spot open um, as well. I know I'm also thinking the dynamics of, okay, my linebacking core is deep. And I, I referenced earlier that Bobby Wagner contract that I wasn't crazy about. Only two years, so... I don't have dead cap for the you know a few seasons afterwards, just this year and next year. So I've thought of that as a quick okay. I can cut Bobby Wagner and get six dollars extra cap space, so that that'll help me pick up some players. But uh, I guess that was another thing we forgot to mention up until about an hour into the podcast was weekly contracts. That's something I had never heard of. Uh, everything was a minimum one year, and you know some some league settings have something where okay you can. You can get it with zero guarantees on minimum contracts, which isn't the case in this league. I and I almost that almost tricked me up at one point of, oh wait, yeah, I guess one dollar contracts you cut them, you you don't save any money at all. Um, you need a two dollar contract to start cutting and saving money because of the half guarantees. So that's also an interesting dynamic because I've I've kind of been more accustomed to the minimum contracts. You get them for free. There's no guaranteed in the minimum contract. You cut them for free, but that's not the case here. So I know I made a, a couple of quick points there, but uh, yeah, it's just, again, interesting dynamics, which is every, every time you scroll down in the league pay, uh, the league rules, every, every line is, is some new information that's, that's quite mind-blowing, uh, quite intimidating the first time I read it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the, the dynamic, uh, exactly of what you said, where the $1 contracts aren't the minimum, uh, that's definitely uh, by intent. Because uh, when they're the minimum, what do you do? You stock up on those guys and you try and hit the lottery. You do what most people do in a dynasty league is acquire draft picks, draft a bunch of people late, hope you hit the lottery. And while that's nice, and when you hit the lottery, job well done, you also didn't do anything other than take an obvious route. When there's absolutely no risk, which is you just cut them and you just roster someone else, you're going to definitely do that. Uh, in this week, there's a little bit more of a risk. You only have $250 in cap, and if you have $10 contracts, that's enough of your cap to, to make a dent when you don't have much left. And it's, it's again, by design to, that every single transaction holds some semblance of actual value as opposed to just adding and cutting left and right when they don't matter. There's no guarantees with them. To talk some specifics, so I did mention, okay, elite quarterbacks. I was willing to overspend, and I and I'm, I mean, I also put my money, not my literal money. Then, <laughs> oh, I'm glad that it didn't cost this much to pay and play in this league, but uh, put my money where my mouth is in terms of of that fact. And the player with the biggest contract in the auction was actually Patrick Mahomes, uh, two hundred dollars total value over the five years. And uh, I think James mentioned this. You can split and you can front load or back load contracts. Um, Mahomes' contract split $50 in 2021, 45 in year two, 40, 35, and 30 in, in years three, four, five, respectively. So front loaded and at the back, it's nice. And I actually ended up winning Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so uh, as the biggest contract, again, I said I was willing to quote unquote overpay to get those elite guys. And uh, I remember Mahomes was brought up early in the early enough in that nomination process. I believe that first week, uh, so way back in February, seems like a long time ago. And my thinking was, well, yeah, we started to, to those elite tier quarterbacks are getting there. I knew I had him at number one on my list, so I figured I'm just gonna go as high as my uh, in, you know the budget I set out. I'm gonna go as high and like James is saying, try and go as close to that real value that you think as possible. So I definitely. Uh, 
you know, bid up and was willing to even go maybe a little bit higher than what I, I, again, told myself I should have based on my calculations. Again, knowing that, you know, the the number one guy on your list is that's the guy you're willing to overpay to get. And and it worked there. Uh, So I was really happy to get my homes. I thought that was uh, worthy of of spending the money, even if it's, again, front loaded. So affected my cap a little more than I wanted to. Year one, $50. That's, that's you know, a fifth of the budget. Just on Patrick Mahomes in year one, but again, that's if you're going to do that for any player, I figured that was the player it's worth doing it for. Uh, just some quick more contracts. My second biggest uh, contract total value and average value is Christian McCaffrey, $170 over five years, even split of 34 per season, which is kind of that, you know, the the mid to late 30s is where I had the running backs as max value, kind of like, like $38, $39, which I think that's where Jonathan Taylor went. So to get McCaffrey at 34 per year, I thought was a, a, a bit of a bargain just at that, that there was a bit of a difference between McCaffrey and Taylor. And while I really wanted Jonathan Taylor, I was happy to get, again, McCaffrey at a little bit cheaper. Uh, Dalvin Cook, my next guy, I already mentioned that uh, earlier, $90 over three years, $30 contracts. It's funny. Dalvin Cook, Travis Kelsey, both players on that that very first nomination day, both went for identical contracts, 90 over 3. Again, talking about that position priority, I, I, I was laughing when I saw that. Dalvin Cook and Kelsey, the same contract, no tight end premium with, with again, the minimum two running back starting requirements. I, I love that. Give, them, give me Cook over Kelsey all day at that price. So I, I was really happy, again, that my plan worked out. I got the elite quarterback, got two of what I see is the top three running backs depends on where you have both ranked, but I think certainly top five running backs. Um, and yeah, so I, I get really happy with, with those contracts. My next biggest contract was Joe Mixon. Again, pay for the running backs five years, $84 over five, a little bit cheaper, 18, 18, 16, 16, 16 over the, the five year split. So a pretty decent average, but again, my plan spend big for the quarterback, spend big on the running backs. And that's what I ended up doing. Yeah, and you know, I, I liked your plan a lot, uh, mainly because I think in general, people who are entering an auction, who've been in an auction before, have a, a specific strategy that they're aware of. Usually, there's a, a few owners within the league who want to go get that superstar, and they overpay to go get them. And that happens early, because superstars are usually at the top of the queue. The, they get paid a lot, and then all of the next tier up get overpriced because they're valuing that that tier based off of the superstars price so usually sitting back and waiting two or three rounds is a great strategy in my opinion when you're in a league full of people who understand that that's a dynamic you want to go and get those guys early because if everyone's sitting on their money if in round three and in round four those guys are going to go for more because no one spent a lot of money early And I think that's kind of what happened in this league. I think Mahomes going for that 200 uh, over five years is pretty cheap for Patrick Mahomes. You're paying less than 20% of your overall cap uh, on average for Patrick Mahomes. Like, he's the elite. He's young. In five years, he is the most obvious guarantee to be at the top of his position out of all players. There's no one even close. And in a super flex league, he has that much more value. So I was surprised at how cheap he went. But uh, this, the draft win, as I kind of projected, in that guys went for a lot early, but not enough because they were elite. And then those later guys, like a Jonathan Taylor, who went a little bit later, ended up going for more per year than Christian McCaffrey because they wanted to get Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey was already off the board. 
yeah, whoever's that last guy in that tier, that's kind of a general almost auction thing. Not even this format, but just in auctions in general. The last guy in elite tier is usually going to be like last guy in terms of not ranking, but whoever's the last one nominated in that elite tier is usually the most expensive player in that tier. Just because everyone's like, oh, he's the last guy. Everyone goes all in. Exactly. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think the wide receiver contracts is one of the most interesting uh, range of outcomes. So I, I believe the highest wide receiver on, on average uh, was Justin Jefferson. 118 over three years. Again, the, the roster restriction on he was a rookie last year, so three years max. Um, 40, 39, 39 in each of the three years uh, in terms of cap hits. And while Justin Jefferson's great, I look at my two starting wide receivers. I got Chris Godwin, 55 over five years, 11 each season. And then Cooper Cup, t- 30 over five, so $6 each season. You know, on a, uh, like Just for this season alone, uh, Godwin and Cup are making $17. Justin Jefferson's making 40 I feel like Cup and Godwin combined are probably going to score close to Jefferson. Maybe Jefferson outscores both combined. I, I doubt that, but I, I feel like it, 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 you know, probably going to be both, you know, the two guys I have that'll outscore Jefferson alone, not even making half the cap it this year. So I think those, and I, and again, I had to be really patient with Godwin and cup. I remember my, my uh, best friend, Akili, I was kind of keeping him updated every day about this. And, and he seemed like he was getting really nervous. Like, okay, dude, your wide receivers are Preston Williams, McCole Hardman, Michael Pittman like you really need a wide receiver man and then late in the auctions get Godwin for what I did and, and Cooper Cup for what I did and I remember actually I I won the Cooper Cup contract and I went to check that morning of and I had already gotten a message from someone asking to trade for that contract and before I even saw the value of the contract so I knew okay first off I didn't even know I'd won Cooper Cup before I saw the message so it was, that was reassurance like okay good I, I'm glad I got Cooper Cup that's nice and secondly oh I I guess it was a really good value, right? So especially when people come out and ask to trade immediately, you know it's a good value then. I think what you're saying is key is you have to have patience. And essentially, that can separate a a good owner from a great owner. You know, if you understand, hey, there's still these eight guys left on my board who I'm willing to take. I have the money for them, and I just need them to get put on the board. So I'll wait. And then you have the other owners who are like, I want to fill out my roster I want to get it done. I don't want to sign a bench wide receiver first because I don't like the way it feels when Preston Williams is my best wide receiver. But having that patience, having that foresight, that's what matters. And again, this is a league for people who are advanced managers, not someone who's just like, oh, I want to get this guy. I don't like him. I'll trade him. I'll move, whatever. You need to have some foresight into the future beyond just, oh, I own this guy. I will own him in the future forever because it's a dynasty. You have to think about those contracts. You have to think about what's happening. And that paid off for you in the draft by having the foresight to go, there's still a ton of good wide receivers on the board. I can wait. And not to say I did it perfectly because I'm looking at, I like Jeremy Chin. 
and and I think from defensive players, like to, to me personally, of, of the IDP players, I had him ranked at number one on my list of, of players that I wanted. Um, $69 over three years, pretty, you know, decently nice value, you know, not 200 over uh, like Patrick Mahomes, but, on a, you know, a 23 per average, he was my third or sorry, fourth highest play, a cap hit on an average basis on my team outside of, again, Mahomes, McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. So, you know, I'm paying Chin much more than Chris Godwin, basically actually double what Chris Godwin's making. And so maybe that was one where he was early on in the draft too. I believe he was one of my, I think, five first players that I had won. And while he was my number one overall IDP player, I had Jabril Peppers at number two and then, you know, my two highest defensive backs. I'm happy I got both, but Jabril Peppers is only making $5 per year and it actually goes down to $3 at the end of it. A much better value that I'd have been maybe better served to not have Jeremy Chin, at least not at the contract I had there, to have Jabril Peppers as my number one defensive back and and another cheaper defensive back, and I would have been able to put resources, you know, more resources towards better players. But so not to say I was perfect. I did maybe overspend even a little bit there on certain players like Chin. Still happy to have him as, again, my number one overall IDP player. And I don't think he was the most expensive IDP player. So in that sense, he was a value. But yeah, maybe there's there's a, there's definitely a couple things I'd do differently, even gone through it now. I'd, I you know Especially with the IDP players, I, I'd probably approach it just slightly differently still. Yeah, I mean, uh, also, though, that you do have to remember that the IDP settings in this league uh, evaluate IDP players at a higher total average point than your, your necessarily normal IDP players. Um, I know uh, based on uh, 2019 stats, uh, when Chandler Jones went off, he would have been like the sixth or seventh best running back that year or, and maybe a top ten wide receiver. So you can find elite value in IDP that's not just elite IDP. It's elite overall value. And if Jeremy Chin's the number one guy on your board, he's DB eligible when he plays a, a lot of linebacker. And he can be an absolute stud. And I don't think at $23 he's that bad of a, a price. Uh, I just think that the, the ceiling falls pretty fast on IDPs. And you can go get your elite guys like him or Miles Garrett. And I don't dislike either of those contracts. But that middle range, that's where I, I kind of tend to avoid just personally. Like there were some uh, early younger players who were upside IDPs who went for far too much in, in my mind. The two of those guys have already been cut in Logan Wilson and uh, Willie Gay. Uh, Willie Gay was making $10 a year for three years and Logan Wilson was making eight. And, and those, in my opinion, are one or two dollar players. So that's why they got cut. And, and you know, the league learned and moved on from that. But I just think it's, uh, it's, again, a different way to look at players. When you think IDP, you don't think of them as on par with the elite offensive players. And that might not necessarily be true. And again, I suppose I'd rather pay my number one overall IDP player in Jeremy Chin than pay up for any wide receiver. And again, the hindsight, knowing how great value that came at the end, but just knowing how deep wide receiver was, how it really it's such a gradual fall off there there that's there's no steep cliff at wide receiver i mean and if there is it's so early that it's like it's really only five or six wide receivers that are on that cliff and everyone else is is getting overpaid so again that same almost that same concept right it it does get so deep at a certain point the elite guys are really worth it but then all the, you know, there could be some back-end wide receiver ones that just aren't worth the price. Maybe it's not worth 
paying the price to get wide receiver 10 when you can, you know, get marginally worse production for a much cheaper price for the wide receiver 20, for instance. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, again, by design, I know I keep hitting the, the same points, but the league's designed for you to be able to attack and punt every different position outside of quarterback, which is kind of the way the NFL is designed. You have to have an elite quarterback, and your worst position can kind of be any of the other positions, and you can just figure it out. And, and that's the way the, the league's supposed to be. Because at the end of the day, every position is scoring fantasy points. Regardless, they all have their own different ways of getting those points. But at the, all we're chasing is the total points. So if you can, you can score those points in any way, it doesn't really matter who the, the expensive players are. Exactly. You're chasing a data line versus a specific player. So if Christian McCaffrey moves to quarterback and becomes the number one quarterback for some absurd reason, well, you still get to use him and he's still elite. So it's that kind of idea that as long as you get the points, you get the points. And it's funny, we're talking quarterback, so I ended up with Mahomes. I ended up with Tom Brady as my second guy. Actually fairly cheap, $50 over three years, 2020 and 10. So if he does play in 2023 and I have him on this on this roster for only $10 as my QB2, that'll be a steal. Um, but cross that bridge when it gets there. Uh, I have Ben Roethlisberger uh league minimum five dollars over one year that's one where okay he he might i might have to eat one dollar of dead cap over four years if that's it just have a quarterback stability that's 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 definitely worth the price there i also had Taysom hill and Taysom hill is really interesting dynamic to something you had alluded to earlier james if you go so far ahead of everyone else you can get the player for so much cheaper than your bid amount and Taysom hill is a really good example this was and, and, you know, he came up early enough in the auction. And I believe at that point I didn't have Tom Brady. So I was willing to be a bit more aggressive on Hill. I ended up putting him on a ridiculous contract. It was $18 per year for a guy that might not even start. And it was so far, far much further up than what anyone else bid that after that first round of nominations and people saw his amount, everyone was off. Nope, that's crazy. Whoever did that is nuts. And then ultimately... I mean, if if someone else had been crazy enough to also do that, then then yeah, I would have been nuts because then I would have been stuck with that amount. But the basically that that eighteen dollar a year amount that I had bid on him ended up getting cut in half because the next highest bid was nine dollars per year. So that's what I won him at. Um, and even now, I'm still thinking that's too much. So I'm really happy that no one else uh, bid high on Taysom Hill. It kind of bailed me out a little. But it might have been a little trickier at the end of the auction, or I, I might have already probably cut him by now to be honest uh, to help free up some cap space so it's just that's a really interesting look at, into how the, the it works and sometimes it almost pays off to be over aggressive on a player uh, in that it scares everyone else off and you get them for cheaper yeah uh, i was actually surprised no one employed the strategy of just bidding max on a player like you really wanted patrick mahomes if you would have done your initial bid at 250 dollars per year each year no one could outbid you. You would have been guaranteed to get Mahomes at the second value of the initial bids. And you probably would have got him at a, a very nice little price, and it would have been cheaper than what you did got him because you had to rebid on him a second time. Uh, it would have been risky because if someone bid 100 per year, you would have been screwed, but you would have gotten him a little cheaper. And, and that never played out at all during the entire auction at any phase where someone massively overbid specifically to just make sure no one else rebid but i thought that was a viable strategy that people would come across that that no one did but i found that uh to be one that's 
that's very interesting. Where we're truly in a victory auction, your actual incentive from a strategy standpoint is to bid your max value. Because if you bid your max value, you're guaranteed to get the player at your max value or less. You cannot overpay for a player if you bid your max value. And that's why it's very uh, counterintuitive to a lot of people who've done auctions because you want to just minimize value as much as possible. But if you're bidding super cheap contracts and someone really values someone and they get them on a super cheap contract, it's because you specifically bid as opposed to bidding them on your max value. It's, I love it because it's actually showing what an auction should be, in my opinion, which is players get bid, they go up for auction, and they go to the highest bidder who values them at that amount of dollars, and everyone is happy, but it's not just $1 more than the person below. It's you were willing to pay that price, so you're happy. And, and it's like the rest of this league. It's very confusing, but very awesome at the same time. Brad, did you see any other contracts uh, that you know piqued your eye on either my team or any other teams or just any team strategy in general that you wanted to shed light on, question, focus on? No, I mean, uh, I was really uh, just uh, poking around. I mean, I definitely uh, studied your your team uh, backwards and forwards here, and I mean, I, I certainly think you uh, you know you kept to your kept to your guns, kept to your strategy, and uh, now that I understand the the bidding uh how the bidding process works so i i really appreciate you you know uh giving the details on the uh on the Taysom hill situation uh you know how you i guess i guess put in for eight, 18 a year but you know ended up getting from nine i i think that really just kind of paints a picture of of how how specific this this you know this whole the whole draft process works for this for this league here uh, as far as uh, any other uh, other teams, uh, I I don't nothing really off the you know really jumps out uh, besides the Justin Jefferson which you uh, which you mentioned earlier. Uh, I was uh, and uh, you guys explained the Jonathan Taylor I, and I I know you love Jonathan Taylor, but uh, you definitely explained uh, how his his amount was was more than the McCaffrey's just uh, based on the nominations. So I mean I, I just yeah, it's it's great how how all that kind of kind of works, but uh yeah, no, nothing really that I came across. I was maybe a little surprised on how some of the rookie quarterbacks were going. A little bit expensive like Justin Fields, 4 years, 156, 39 per year for him. Um so people were definitely it seems based on the price considering you know these rookie quarterbacks to be part of at least at least Fields and Lawrence and to a certain extent Zach Wilson as well to be part of that top tier of quarterbacks that people were willing to to overpay for again overpay quote unquote can you really ever overpay a quarterback whether it's the NFL or in this in this style uh, so uh, but then I mean Trey Lance went for super cheap I guess people weren't quite. Uh, sold when whenever he was was uh put up for nomination so it just it, it was interesting that the, the disparity there that yes Lawrence and Fields uh are making so much on their contracts that I mentioned you know the Mahomes contract front loaded there's certain years I think starting uh even just two years from now where Mahomes will be making less than those guys on on the contract I have him so to, to James credit of how cheap that is that it, it especially looks better the, the further it goes on um 
so it's weird that yeah, Fields and Lawrence went for so much, but a guy like Trey Lance, I'm, I forget uh, who had him, but for super cheap, and, and that might be one of the best values that uh, overall in this whole auction. Yeah, it, de- it definitely could be. Uh, just uh, curious as far as the nominations go, like when, when I guess were Lawrence and Fields' name. You know, when do they come up? Was it early? Kind of, you know, just recently? I actually, I looked it up right now, Brad, and uh, it looks like Lawrence was nominated on the first week within the, yeah, it looks like uh, round three. So uh, rounds, again, six per six per day. So the rounds are split in half. So round one nominations are day one and two. So the start of round three would actually put that at day six of the auction. So, this is, so he was nominated probably a week after the Super Bowl. Wow. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. And Fields the next day. And I think uh, like a guy like Lance went a little bit later. Yeah. Lance went, I think uh, it was on day 11. So it was, he was a uh, pick 132 overall. So he was about a third of the way into the draft. Uh, maybe a little bit uh, more than that. Maybe like 40% of the way in something like that. But yeah, 50 over 4 for Lance, 11, 13, 13, 13. Super cheap for a guy that, that should be starting through most of those four years. Maybe not so much year one, but definitely expect that, that towards the end of year one and full year two, three, four. That's that's a really great value on, on a what should be a starting quarterback. Sure. And uh, j- just curious, uh, be, being down here in, uh, in, in Florida and b- being a huge Gator fan, uh, w- did uh, Kyle Pitts get picked up? Oh, yeah, he... He went for uh, $80 total over four years, and he was one of the, the more expensive wow. overall rookies. Wow. Like, yeah. obviously, you had Lawrence and, and Fields who were super expensive, and, you know, you kind of had the same thing with all the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Pitts, I think, was the, the fifth most expensive rookie uh, after you had Wilson, who went for uh, 100 over four years, and then uh, Najee Harris, who went for 88 over four. And I think his annual average for tight end is, I think, top five, fourth or fifth. I think only Kittle, Kelsey, and I, th- I think Waller made more, make more than him on an average annual basis. Yeah, and I think to, to kind of go to the point uh, of wanting to just get stats, uh, I think a lot of people in this league were like, I want to get the young guys. I want to build my team from the ground up. And yeah. they kind of overpaid for rookies. Uh, they, do, they are redshirt eligible. But when you're paying a guy $20 per year, you want him to be on your roster and not just sitting in a red shirt. Sure. So I, I think a lot of guys just kind of uh, got bought into the hype. And while Pitts should be very, very good, you're already paying for him to be very, very good before he's shown he's very, very good. So that's just another thing to consider. Very good. And if there was ever a player that we needed to talk about in terms of uh, like the, drawing the comparison of like how players go overpriced early, Darnell Mooney, I'm trying to think, I know it was really early on, uh, ended up going for $15 per year. And I mean, you know, I don't know where you have Matt James, but he, to me, he, he screams as someone who should only been maybe $3 max. Yeah, he went real early. I think he went somewhere in the 50s which is uh, approximately day five of the draft. And yeah, I was, as I was receiving the bids on him, the the ultimate winner of Darnell Moody was not the outlier. Plenty of people were, were bidding on him and they liked him. And I was a little confused as to why. I understand that he's the number two wide receiver in Chicago, 
But at the time, we had no idea who their quarterback was. We didn't know if Allen Robinson was returning, which I think helps Mooney's price, un- unless they draft another wide receiver. And yeah, there, there were definitely uh, some moments early on where players went for more money because managers looked at their cap and said, oh, I have a lot of money. But they were overpaying for certain guys who didn't necessarily belong in the top 50 of nominations. I mean, the fact that I got Godwin $4 less per year than Mooney, I think, speaks to everything. Yeah, Godwin and Cup combined make $2 more than Mooney by himself. Uh, absolutely. That's a win for you, Cup. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll keep a, a, a God win, so to speak. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think I think we've done a really great job of talking about not just the, the, the setup of the format, but also the strategy behind this and, you know, the insight into a, a manager and, and some of the thoughts I had during the auction as well. So, uh, James, if anyone's interested in participating in this, how can they go about doing this? Well, uh, they can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at WhatMoney3000. Uh, and they can also follow this league itself. Uh, that Twitter handle is at Contract Dynasty. And you can pay attention to everything. And eventually, if I do put another one of these together, which I'm planning on doing, uh, it'll be done through that Contract Dynasty handle. So if you're interested in partaking, uh, my DMs are always open. Uh, and you can also just follow along. And there may be an open roll call. Uh, frankly, I'm not sure how much uh, time I'm going to have to devote to another long-winded draft process uh, i'm thinking i'm going to probably put together one more and the draft process will be a little bit faster but uh essentially this is like the ideal format and if you're looking for a challenge when it comes to fantasy football this is what you should be looking for and uh you know i hope you're interested i clearly said challenge accepted so uh, yeah uh definitely i i uh, anyone who you know chases the contract salary formats and all the different styles of it i definitely recommend this uh so great and and frankly james the amount of work that you put into to just the 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 constant messaging every day of 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 the not just uh you know helping us out and explain stuff but actually going through messaging each person saying okay which players are available for each person to bid on because we talked about that only the six highest managers who bid on that initial bid get to continue to go on players. So it's not just saying, okay, these are the players that are there. This is the max amount, but also individual. Okay. Which managers can bid on which players is huge to keep track of. So massive undertaking. And I definitely appreciate all the work you put into making this league so fun. Yeah. uh, I'm definitely just passionate about this style of league. Uh, Frankly, if I had some sort of a coding background and whatnot, I'd want to put together an app where you can build off of this. Uh, I don't have that knowledge, but I just want people to, to play this because I think this is the next step. This is how you take your league to the next level beyond Dynasty. I know a lot of leagues go from redraft to keeper and then maybe finally to Dynasty, but I think they're, they're steps further than that, and I'm just passionate about that. And of course, uh, if, you know your passions, folks, and, and to, to what you want to uh, listen to, let us know. Uh, on Twitter at FPC underscore fantasy pod episode ideas, questions, comments, all all welcome. And uh, we'll do our best to help you all be more informed. Uh, Also for all that information, you can uh, full press coverage specifically. You can get it all on the full press coverage app. It's available for free on Android and iOS stores. Um, And of course our new theme music as well. Intro outro music courtesy of PA the second uh, produced by Yama Yama Sound, the song is called Melody. 
features guitar parts by yours truly as well. So I love showing off in all formats, not just my fantasy teams, but also my, my uh, music, apparently. So uh, uh, appreciate uh, the shout outs for all that. Uh, you can follow Patrick uh, on Twitter at PA underscore II official. And uh, of course, co hosts, Brad's at the rundown underscore BH, right? <laughs> I have the underscore at the right spot. Yes, that is uh, correct. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, brain turning to mush here. And then uh, I'm at Senra Says. Apparently, that's what I say. So, uh, um, again, appreciate very much, James, for uh, everything you do with the Contract Dynasty, but specifically for coming on and, and talking with us. We uh, really ha- enjoyed having you on. Yeah, thanks, James. This was great. This was fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. So, Brad, did you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh, no, just... Uh, just- yeah, get guys, uh, go uh, check James out. Um, join the league. I'm, I'm thinking about doing it as well, uh, and uh, we'll we'll uh, try and uh, figure this thing out together. Awesome, and uh, you know, we're, draft season is rolling along. We talked about some rookies already. Uh, we're gonna dive in, you know, very much so to the rookie class on the next few episodes. I know Brad's really excited, so uh, oh, yeah. look for that on the next episode of the Full Press Fantasy Pod. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.